going on, everybody? Welcome to the 440 Guitar Podcast. I am your host, Gerald Powell. Thank you so much for tuning up. You can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anchor.fm forward slash 440. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at the 440 Guitar Podcast. And if you have any questions, you can either send me an email uh, at the 440podcast at gmail.com or uh, you can also send me a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash 440. You can get in contact with me there. And this is the first episode of 2023 for the 440 Guitar Podcast. I know we're in March, but uh, we are definitely uh, blessed to have a great uh, guest here today. Very excited to speak to, have a bunch of questions to, to ask, and just look, just really happy to have him here on the show just to introduce this uh, this great artist here. Uh, he's played with a wide range of artists from Robert Glasper, uh, and the weather reports Victor Bailey to Anderson Pack, Peak Rock, and uh, is a member of the Soul, and many more, obviously, uh, but it also is a member of the Soul uh, Hop Super Group, according to Guitar World, how they describe uh, the group, uh, DMD The Vibes, alongside with uh, drum phenom uh, Deru Jones. Uh, Jack White, Talib Qualley's played with those artists, and uh, Living Color bassist Doug Wim, uh, Wimbish, uh, and provides a slamming electric guitar riffs and screaming solos in the hip-hop hard rock uh, Project 13, headed by legendary rapper uh, Pharaoh Monch. Uh, the 440 Guitar Podcast is uh, very happy to have Marcus Machado on the, the show here. How you doing, man? Yeah, man. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, man. Everything is cool. Just uh, getting up. You know what I mean? But I'm okay. good. <laughs> okay. Right on. Right on. Yeah, man. It, it, this, this rain has really thrown me for a loop, you know, just because, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not sure what it is on like, say like the, the East coast or whatnot, but just it's mm-hmm. California always has very schizophrenic weather. It's like last week it'll yeah. be just rain, just raining crazy. And then yeah. the week after that, it'll be a super sunny. So yeah, it, man. it's been a hard adjustment for myself. Yeah, <laughs> no, man. I, I, I feel you likewise too, because like, uh, in New York, it's been the same type of weather. It's been more so like snow and then it's like super cold and then sometimes it warms up. So it's just like, I don't know, we're, we're living in the time of bipolar weather. <laughs> yeah, what. you know, and it's like, and you it's March. I, mean? I thought, I thought we were going to get into the, you know, nearing spring. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. It's going to be snowing in April. It's going to be snowing in April, man. <laughs> get yeah. ready. Because you know yeah. No, it was crazy because I seen it like uh what was it, a couple of days ago. You guys got snow out here. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, man, this is this is insane. <laughs> yeah. Insane, I, 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 re- I read somewhere that it was the first time LA had snow since like the nineteen eighties, which is like crazy. I'm wow. like, wow. Wow. So that's you- crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy, man. Try to try to do as much as you can. That's what I tell everybody, because this weather is like, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so here on the 440 Guitar Podcast, really uh, big on origin stories, how people got to where they are today. And yeah. usually the first question I like to ask artists is, uh, tell me about your first uh, memory of music. First memory of music. I think it had to have been, um, what was I like? Well, first memory of music was probably two years old because I picked up the guitar at two. And the first thing that I heard, my parents had like a, crazy collection so i could remember i could hear like you know their collection was like earth wind and fire jimmy uh led zeppelin Joni mitchell weather report like just array of all different genres of music but the first musical memory that i can remember was um listening to uh axis boldest love the first song on the exp where they had all these crazy UFO sound guitars and stuff. And I was just like, I don't know. I still remember that to this day at two years old. That was like the first musical memory that I heard. And then um, the second one was my mother took me to see Shaka Khan and Al Garo. And I was like, you know, I'll never forget. It was like this big like festival and sitting on the grass. And I had to have been about maybe like three, four years old. But yeah, that's probably my first musical memory. Yeah, those two. Wow. Now at two years old, usually when I, I hear the artist, uh, they start playing the instrument or at least holding it, getting acquainted with it at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Usually when it's that young, it's, it, I always assume, or it tends to be where, uh, people are in the family played yep. instruments as well. Was that the case for your family? Did you yeah. Yeah. My, um, my mother, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't a musician, but she was like, I call her the, the A&R. Like she could tell you, any type of music that, you know, this song is going to be a hit. Sure enough, 
it was a hit and stuff like that. And then my father, he was a musician, so he had instruments and the guitar was laying around the house. And I never forget it. Had a 75 uh, Strat, 1975 Strat. And I remember crawling to it and been playing ever since. That's been the whole the whole thing. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's just having instruments lying around and yeah, and just experiment, you know, experiment with everything. And then I remember like four years old, or like kindergarten, my first song that I learned was um, "When Cries Mary." So I oh, played nice. that at yeah, yeah. I played that at my <laughs> my kindergarten graduation. So uh, yeah, so that was it was funny, but yeah, that was like my first musical memories. Just really like picking up the guitar and just like just something about it. You know what I mean? It's just hard to explain. It was just yeah. it was just like wow. And then from there, just professionally start playing the guitar at nine years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Damn. Well, I definitely want to get to that when you're nine. Yeah. I was going to say, too, you playing Wind Cries Mary the first time, that's a fairly complex song yeah, for Jimi yeah, Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those, was, those melodies was. and chords yeah, and stuff? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, those tapes are long gone, but if I can ever find them, there's a VHS tape of me playing that, you know, at the kindergarten graduation. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jimmy, for me, um, you know, of course, huge, you know, musical uh, influence, but it was just something yeah. about his music that drawn me to, you know, just the playing and just the everything, you know, as a guitarist. And, you know, from there, you know, I just would just, how the way I picked up stuff was by ear. And I would just be playing the records and going back and forth and just learning how to play the song. And, um, yeah, When Cries Mary was the first one. So it was almost like uh, when you're a kid and you want to solve something like a puzzle or something like that, you just try to, you know, find the right pieces to make sure that you get you know, get to the finish line. And yeah, that was it. Yeah. And we're so spoiled. We're, we're so spoiled today. We got YouTube and all this shit. Oh, man. Oh, man. There was no, man, there was no YouTube that we had. We had a vinyl player and I had cassettes. So if you had to, you had to bring the needle back or rewind the tape to go back and learn whatever, you know what I mean? YouTube now is like anything, you know what I mean? You can right. pick up anything and yeah, it's right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel yeah. like I feel for those folks where it's like, that wasn't available. It's almost like a lot of those folks, I, I would arguably say they probably have a better ear because it's like, they're forced to real. Okay. This person's playing this, you know? And then a lot of the times yeah. like the re- in the recording, the tuning is different on like the G string or absolutely. some shit. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, what were you guys doing, man? Like, <laughs> you know, you didn't tune up before you record, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, now, obviously, and you know that that young, I was good, I was curious, you know, as far as like how much of an influence um, were were you? Did you uh, as a child? Did you grow up like in the church or anything like that? Playing the church? Uh, yeah, yeah. Up? But for me, for me, church was more um, definitely you know part part of my growing up. But I didn't really get into playing church not until a later age, so not around mm-hmm. like early teenager time okay. and stuff like that you know my grandmother on my uh father's side she was a jehovah's witness so you know she would take us to bible study and you know that type of church wasn't you know there was no musicians or nothing like that it was just get up and sing the watchtower you know stuff like that but right. it wasn't until right like around, yeah. yeah it wasn't until like i say like around i say 13 or 14 then that's when um my cousin of mine down down in florida uh i start really you know experimenting and really going down there and you know of course like everybody else like that was the place to where like if you didn't have no money and you wanted to learn an instrument all the instruments were there in church you know what i mean so that's why a lot of musicians you see that they play different uh instruments because everything was there it was like if the drummer couldn't make if you don't know how to play drums you better get behind the kit and learn how to play you know what i mean so it was one of those things too but um yeah church wasn't until like around I say like I believe thirteen, fourteen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now you said your career started professionally at nine. How did that yeah. how did that happen? Yeah, man. Um nine years of my mom, she was like uh my manager. And I, like I said, like not too many parents were, you know, I think like now, like, you know, if your child is like musically inclined, you know, it's like, okay, let me make money off this kid and like use it. <laughs> As a, you know, I hold he's had some, but my mom was kinda like she was just really like chilled and super like straightforward. She was just like, okay, as long as you make good grades in school, I'll go find shows for you. And, you know, if you got a C or D, there ain't no shows. So oh, that forced damn. me to, that forced me to make sure that I was on my P's and Q's in school. And then, you know, at nighttime, you know, I would go and play and literally like I'll be in the club until one o'clock and then turn around and go to school 
at 7 a.m. in the morning. But um, yeah, my first musical um, show was nine years old. It was like a showcase, and I'll never forget it. It was At the time, I was living in Florida, and um, I remember it was like a showcase. They had all these different genres of music, and during the day, prior to the event, they would have like these different A&Rs to where um, you could listen to your cassette tapes and they could, you know, critique and like tell you, you know, what to work on or possibly get a record deal at that time. And at this time, you know, I'm a young kid playing guitar, black, you know, my stuff was a little bit of everything. It was rock, it was R&B, it was funk. So, you know, mm -hmm. they played the tape for about 30 seconds and then they stopped it and they told my mom and they told me, they was like, who's this person? They thought... I was like a adult. They didn't know I was a kid. And it was like, well, this music right here is not going to work because it's not urban enough. I said, what? I said, what do you mean it's not urban enough? So right then and there, that was like my first, you know, test of like, you know, no matter what it is that you want to do, stick with it and don't let the odds or anybody tell you what you can't do. Because then that night, my mom, she told me she was like, go out there and make sure you know, you do your best and play, like, play your heart out. And that night got a standing ovation. And those same people came back and said, oh, I'm so sorry to, you know, say that. And, you know, we appreciate everything you do. And um, that was my first drive to, like, you know what? It was like, man, just to get that feeling of playing on stage was a totally um, great experience. And it just forced me to, right then and there, I was like, from here on out, as old as I get or whatever, as long as I can play this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. So mm -hmm. that's, that was pretty much it, you know? <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Cause when I hear your guitar phrasing, it, it sounds like a myriad of various influences, even from like eighties, you know what I mean? You have, yeah. you, know, you have a really, yeah. uh, definitely yeah. a, a vibrant, uh, mm -hmm. vibrant way of phrase, guitar phrasing. Which yeah, I really, yeah. Yeah. I really, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. For me, like I really dug, you know, of course, you know, Jimmy's one, Stevie and, you know, Jeff Beck. But, you know, what I was really fascinated by was their harmonies, too. Like, even, like, cats like Brian May. And then also, too, like, in the 80s, you know, where they would, like, harmonize these different phrases with guitars because it was almost like a choir, almost. You know, I mean, Prince did that a lot, too, as well. So, you know, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was curious. I thought I read this somewhere. Are you are you left-handed but play right-handed? I'm you... both. Um, I, oh, I'm right-handed. Wow, okay. I'm right-handed, but I also too play left-handed backwards. Mm. Yeah. So okay. yeah, that was something that I picked up when I was like around 15, and you know, like you know, growing up, like I would play basketball, but then I would dunk with my left, mm. and I was just like, you know, other certain things I would use with my left more so than my right, which just felt comfortable. And then I was like, man, I said, I wonder if, you know, if I pick up a left-handed guitar, play it upside down and have the strings, you know, have the high E string first. And then, you know, almost like the Albert King type of vibe. I wonder if that would do anything to my psyche. Like, would it make me play different if I play it right hand? And then I began to realize that that's a whole different world of playing. It's like everything that you do on the right hand, you can't do on the left. Yeah. So I completely stopped playing uh, right hand for like two years. And oh, wow. And I was just like, man, uh, if I fumble on the gig, figure it out. And, you know, I got it to where that I was like comfortable enough to where that I could play a whole gig. And then, yeah, from now, it's like I'll go back and forth. Like sometimes I'll play left, sometimes I'll play right. But yeah, it's a totally, um, after those two years of playing only left handed, when I went back to the right, it just did something to your playing, like phrasing and just how to the whole approach mm -hmm. to guitar playing. It's like, it was very, it's very weird of like, playing all these different melodies and different stuff but yeah that was something that you know i wouldn't recommend but <laughs> but if you if you have a lot of time and patience you know try it you know what i mean it's yeah cool. it's yeah it's, yeah because the reason why i asked is that i'm left-handed and yeah. I, I just learned right-handed because all like either left-handed guitars were not available or they just weren't made very well you know what i mean yeah yeah it, absolutely you know what's funny i was at uh norman's uh guitars uh yesterday and uh, one of the guys was saying the same exact thing. He was like, he's left-handed, but he was forced to play right-handed because there was no guitarist, like, yeah. made. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's tricky. But, you know, you can use both at, at times when you need to, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, because even it, it's funny. Like my, you know, my friend, he's also a guitar player, and and he's just, he's right handed by nature, and just you yeah. know his strumming. Sometimes I just get jealous. It's like I can't strum like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, yeah, I just yeah, have to figure yeah. it out. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. do my own thing, but yeah, you know, it's just interesting. Like to certain ways, you're like, okay, I have to I have to compensate some way because this isn't happening. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> this is not working for me. <laughs> man, yeah. Man. Man crazy so um i wanted to talk about and i know it came out in 2021 uh mm. but i wanted to talk a little bit about uh your album aquarius purple uh yeah. which i really like i think it's a really great album you know thank so you, congratulations on, you, on having you. that Appreciate you know mm-hmm. um i guess as far as just you know when it comes to just the overall the overall uh just collection of songs and everything where did the as far as like where did it stem from as far as like hey i want to put this project together like i know you have your influences of you know hendrix and samira artists like how did that Mm -hmm. come to be was it something where you've been kind of writing some of these songs over the years or was it Mm -hmm. something where you kind of flush these songs out in a certain period of time yeah i mean aquarius purple was crazy man because um you know at the time i was living in amsterdam for a couple years and um you know just like touring and like getting into production and stuff and these collections of songs, some songs I started in Europe and, you know, I always wanted to come out with, of course, with a debut album, but everything was about timing. And it was like, you know, every time I wanted to put out an album, I'd have to go on tour. It was always something. So a lot of these songs, you know, I would start it and then I was like, okay, I put it on a hard drive and I finish it. So you're talking about probably somewhere from, I don't know, probably like 2015 all the way up to 2021. Mm. It's almost like a six, seven year period. And um wasn't up until when the pandemic happened, 2019, everything, of course, went to a halt. There's no shows. There's no nothing. So then I was like, man, I'm not, you know, I was fortunate enough. I was still able to stay busy. But then I was like, now I really have time to finish what I need to start. And I was like, this is a perfect time to let's really get these all these songs and cohesive and really try to get down this whole project. And then the more that I kept, recording new stuff and then plus the old stuff that I started in, you know, in Europe, these collections of songs start coming together. And then I start realizing, I was like, man, I was like, this is really, this is really coming together the way that I want it. And then finally, once I got it, you know, down to the songs that I wanted in the structure, then it was the whole marketing, you know, campaign. I was like, well, how am I going to put this out in a time where there's nobody's buying records, there's no streaming, there's like, everything is at a standstill. I'm like, Maybe I waited too long. I was like, I don't know. It was like a 50-50. It was a gamble because I was like, man, I was like, nobody's not going to listen to this stuff because <laughs> it's like we ain't doing nothing. But then it actually worked in my favor because everybody had a chance to really sit down and actually listen to the records versus like, mm. you know, you're always on the go. And it's like, yeah, somebody comes out with an album this week. It's brand new on Monday. And then Friday, it's like old news. So mm-hmm. then I actually, I was like, you know what? I want to use the same approach and kind of put out this only vinyl first instead of doing the streaming stuff. Because for me, I always belong. For me, I always feel like music belongs on vinyl, period. You know what yeah. I mean? I doesn't, it doesn't matter what type of genre of music, just how the way it's the sound and just, it's a journey. Just listening to it, flipping it over, you know, looking at the, the song credits, you know, the vinyl, the picture, everything. And um, yeah, I was like, man, you know what? Let me try my luck and put it out on vinyl first and see what happens. And um, it actually worked in my favor because then we put out the record um, on vinyl and everything sold out. And, you know, then it got such a good demand to where they was like, okay, you got to put it on streaming platforms. And I was like, uh, at first I was like, nah, <laughs> but after a while, you know, some people don't have a vinyl player and then, you know, it kind of worked out and, you know, I'm super grateful and um, thankful for, that project and you know it was um, it's about probably a six seven year process of getting it to you know to the way that i wanted and prior to aquarius purple i was recording a whole bunch of other stuff too but you know it's just like i tell anybody like the hardest part is like you can record so many songs but then it's like narrowing it down to your 10 or 12 songs and because you you want to tell the story you know what i mean that's my whole thing it's like from the beginning, middle, end. So, you know, it was kind of like find the right path and find the right songs to go, you know, one song into the other. And yeah, 
the, the whole uh, idea of Aquarius Purple is, um, of course, I'm Aquarius, right. born in February, but uh, the sound in the, the whole project represents the color purple. So that's where the Aquarius Purple, you know, the influences, of course, Jimmy Prince. But for me, the landscape of the whole project represents uh, purple. So that's where the that's Aquarius Purple. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because I know yeah. like when it comes to like uh, when it from like a, a mood ring sense, purple yeah. like tranquility. So, yeah, you yeah. Gotta hear that. In the, yeah. In the yeah. Man. And then also, too, you know, as a guitarist in this time, because, you know, we're not in the, the early 90s or 80s where guitar playing. You know, you had Slash, you had all these different guitar players, but, you know, now you're in a different time to where it's like, if you know a certain person, then you know. But if you don't know, it's like, how can you bridge the gap in between all these different genres? Because as much as I love Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jeff Beck, I love D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq and Tribe and Daylight and all that. And I'm a hip hop kid, too, as well. So my thing was like, how do you merge all these different genres of music without making it sound too crazy for people. Because, you know, in these days, people's tension spans are like super short. Like yeah. they can listen to something for two seconds and they're like a switch. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, that was, I think the process of Aquarius Purple was finding a way to where you can have a really rock out psychedelic song, but then also to at the same time, a soulful and funk at the same time. So, you know, I'm happy that, um, you know, it came out the way that it did, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it, I, I really feel like it, it definitely, um, it, 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 I think it came out exactly when it was supposed to, in a sense. Cause yeah. I, like, I like what you said about just as far as vinyl. Cause I just had this conversation with, uh, my friend the other day, as far as like, I started buying CDs again yeah. and I bought, I had even got an old CD player and put it in yeah, just man. to have that experience yeah, where it's yeah, like, yeah. you are like, like, that experience of listening to it top to bottom. No, you can't, you can't veer off to another album. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, <laughs> you know? yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's the digital world that we live in. It's like, we're like super spoiled because like, you know, you pay $10 for Spotify or Apple music and you can have any type of artist that you want at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy the record. You can stream it, add it to your playlist. And I think that's where the lost art, you know, it has to become a lost art because now it's like people are not going to like Tower Records, but like back in the day or Virgin Records. Like I would love to go to vinyl stores and like really listen to a whole album, you know, or a CD on your headphones and really go through the, it was like a journey, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like a whole experience. Crate and digging, crate digging, crate you know what digging. I mean? yeah. yeah, crate digging, you know, like me and you, like you'd be like, I remember in school, like, you know, Cass, we would do this uh, trade-off, you know, one friend would give me I would give him like Outkast, Atlians, and mm. then my other friend gave me Nirvana. Never mind. Mm. It was like all these different. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I miss, I miss those days of like you know, especially if I if I didn't know an artist or you know, you put me on to something, we would put each other on type right. of thing, and you know, we would come back and say like, yo, what do you think? What do you think of this record? Oh man, this record is trash, or this record is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I feel like yeah, vinyl. But the thing is, what I'm starting to realize, too, like vinyl, there's a whole community of vinyl heads. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like a lost cause. Like it's a whole vibe. You know what I mean? But and I realized that with, um, you know, Aquarius Purple, because I was like, that was always one of my uh, dreams to like, man, I want to have a record on vinyl, but really have it in stores and really have that big, you know, cover art and stuff. So, you know, it worked out. Yeah. I feel like one of my favorite, one of my, cause I, I, I was talking to this, uh, a friend I know in Baltimore, he was saying like, or he used to be in Baltimore. He was like, why, like, why do you buy vinyls in general? And yeah. I was telling just as far as like now, obviously as far as like more money going to the artists, but I was saying also too, like there's certain little exclusive things in vinyl. Like I remember buying, um, yeah. I want to say it was Jimmy blues. And there okay. was this article that I don't think was anywhere else that was mm -hmm. written about Hendrix and like different, like these certain photos being shot that aren't really exclude, like known online or found online yeah. where yeah. you as an artist can really dive in and kind of give a mm -hmm. little more piece of view personally to the, the consumer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, yeah. that's just, that's just so cool. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. For sure. So, for sure. Definitely. I wanted to selfishly. I wanted to talk about uh, yeah. thirteen, uh, yeah, yeah. just because for one, I think uh, 
the uh it's a great it's a magnificent day for an exorcism i think is yep. a fantastic underrated um album thank you thank um, you man i came across it you know I was online and i was like you know i, I was like thank you very much and you know yeah you know, Marsh, which I, let me check this out and i was like this is incredible um yeah. but as far as just like the band getting together mm-hmm. uh you know how did how did that come about when, when how's how did that form yeah okay so 13 that came about through a good friend um which is Amancha's manager uh guy Rute. so he used to manage like a lot of people back in the day um fishbone uh family stand you know very connected to black rock coalition and um sandra saint victor who was like my second mom and you know i used to play with the family stand those are like my musical parents and through that affiliation you know, guy would always tell me, he was like, yo, Monch, man, I gotta, gotta put you guys together to do this, you know, do some type of project. I don't know what it is. And, you know, Monch would come over to some of the shows that we have and, you know, we linked up and, you know, just kicking in the studio and stuff. And Monch was like, Monch is the rockhead, you know, as much as, you know, an icon and, a, you know, who he is, but he's a super heavy, like heavy metal rockhead. And we would play all these records and he was like, man, he's like, I want to do this it's hip hop, but like rock record, but not like the cliche, like, oh, it's a rock, whole bunch of like fast riff guitars and a lot of fast, you know, spitting. Like, he's like, really, like, I want to have a concept to where like you're like the lead person and, you know, I'll create the story or the picture of what the song is. And then maybe you take the lead on, you know, at the end, really coming with these different concepts. So we sat in the studio and we just started bouncing around these different ideas. And then Daru came along because Daru used to work with uh, Monch back in the day, too. And then me and Daru had a chemistry, too, as well. So then he was like, man, he was like, we need to put this group together and just call it 13. And let's really like let's put our heads together and create, you know, something that what nobody's not doing. And um, that was another project, too, because at the same time I was working on Aquarius Purple, I was also too working on 13. And that project was literally another seven, eight year process mm. too as well. You know, it took a long time to get it to the way that we wanted. So that's why like when you hear the record, like the mixing and like every detail was very um intricate on parts and you know stuff like that. And that's one thing people need to know about Munch. Like as a great of an MC he is and lyricist, his his ear for production and like mixing is crazy. You know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, that was and then also too, I was able to go into my Black Sabbath, you know, vibe and oh, yeah. more, you know, tune down, you know, guitar stuff. And I was like, man, I was like really experiment with that project. And then, yeah, we came up with this crazy, you know, concept, you know, The Magnificent Day. And um, yeah, it was such a fun, fun band and, you know, a lot of more stuff, working on a lot of cool stuff that's coming down, coming out soon. So, yeah, nice. be, be on the lookout. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I was curious too, just because because I'm a big rock fan as well. Yeah. So like having a, I guess technically a two piece band, but it's a three person band. Like yeah. getting such a big sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. like you have bands like Rush, Muse, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it's also a very risky and daring thing as far yeah, as to get super, that sound. Yeah, it's super risky because like with Thirteen, that project it was like for me, it was literally like I'm the guitar player and bass player, so I would right. do like have the octave, you know, octave player play low end stuff. And then Daru is such like his playing is such like massive and big. Yeah. It's just like, you know, between us as a duo and then Monch is up front. So we wanted to create, we was like, man, is that possible? Can we pull it off? I said, no, nah. I said, get, just get a whole bunch of Marshall stacks and turn it up to 10. And then just, <laughs> play loud. just play loud. But um, yeah, I mean, that was something that, you know, we would just be in the studio and just jamming and jamming. And then we was like, man, we was like, because at first we tried different ideas. We was like, well, maybe we get a keyboard player and a bass player. And then we was like, nah, we need to keep it just as the trio and just see just see what happens. And um, yeah, the more that we kept jamming and just creating in the studio, yeah, that's how it came about. So yeah, it's a unique sound. And, um, you know, just... With us, it's just trying, just trying new ways. You know what I mean? I mean, stuff has been done before, but especially in this time, just try to bring back that old like rock, you know, like rock, like rock bands, and like really bring out you know the sound and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's such a, a dope raw sound because like, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Jack White. Like he's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. just having. 
that same type of raw authenticity where it's like yeah, drums, right. guitar. It's, it's, simple. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah But it yeah. fills the room, like you said, you know, like, so it's yeah. just, you know, uh, definitely um, a great, great sound there. No, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, too, about your guitar tone because I'm a huge fan yeah. of huge fan of that um right. started from like pedals like as far as like an overdrive what's your what's your kind of go-to that you really prefer um but you know back in the day of course it was you know the typical fuzz face but what i've been using like so there's two pedals that i have i have a boss me80 mm-hmm. which is you know a lot of people when you say it they're like oh it's digital <laughs> this guy crappy. i knew it i knew it. <laughs> I knew it i knew it i knew it Oh my God, there's something in there. But no, but the thing is, what I found out was because like traveling and like, you know, you have your stuff in the bag and it gets smashed or cables or shit like that. And I would have been like, you know what? I need to find a pedal that's like, is there a pedal out there that it may be digital, but is there a way that I can make it my own? And with that Boss ME80, you're able to create your own presets. So it took me years to get it to how the way that I want it. Mm. So... And, you know, it's like battery pack. Like, you just hit the battery. It lasts for, like, for a long time before you have to change it. And for travel-wise, you just put it in your backpack and you go. And everything is in there. So, you know, at home and, like, for, like, gigs around traveling-wise, I would use that. But, of course, I'm the, you know, analog all day. You know what I mean? But what I use um, currently is I love them to death is uh, B-Tronics. Mm. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with Beatronics. They're based out of here um, in LA, but uh, guys, they're from Brazil. But incredible, incredible pedals. Like can't big them up enough. Um, they have incredible fuzz faces. Uh, it's called this Vespa, where you you hit it, you double tap it, and then it goes into like an Octavia fuzz. But it almost sounds like a B, mm. and it's called that's why it's called Beatronics. And their pedals is like crazy distortion wise, like just ridiculous so i've been using them a lot um uh pedal wise uh definitely them Beatronics. i use a uh, vox you know wawa of course um univibe the mxr mm. i really like them a lot and then surprisingly i have this uh tech tech 21 that i okay. kind of go through um you know the vespa yeah and it's pretty cool man i mean for me i'm pretty simple with the pedals like playing live like you'll see you know tonight is pretty much a simple setup, but in the studio, that's where I kind of really experiment. And I use that as the laboratory to like really, you know, backwards stuff, reverse shit. But yeah, for me, it's pretty simple. I think, uh, fuzz wise, yeah, it's definitely Beatronics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. And then as yeah. far as like amps, do you prefer Marshall or what do you, what do you play nowadays? Yeah. Amps nowadays, I'm playing, um, Black Magic from, um, Supra. I've been using them. I've been using them a lot. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty cool. They, they, they almost sound like a little bit of a orange amp, but then it's also too got a little brightness of the Fender twin, Yeah. but it's a really cool, I've been using them a lot. And then also too, I use, um, fat Jimmy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with no. fat Jimmy amp. So there's a guy based out of, um, San Francisco and like all the jam band stuff, you know what I mean? So like from Bob Weir and all like the Jerry Garcia with the old, yeah. So the amps are like incredible. So you have that tone. So I use them for me It's between the fat Jimmy, the Supro, of course, Fender twin, you know, for clean stuff, you know, and, um, yeah. And the Marshall, you know, when I need to, for mostly for like 13 stuff is probably the Marshall and the Supro. Yeah. And what about you? What's some of your, uh, now I'm gonna ask you some questions. Where with some sure. of your uh what's some of your favorite pedals and stuff that you use as far as distortion wise? Yeah. You know what's funny, man? I, I've I've gone into like it's funny. There I feel like when it comes to guitar playing, there's a whole like there's a whole curve. And mm-hmm. I've gone through the whole curve. So I got to the moment where I had I think I had an ME eighty five. Uh mm-hmm. I had an ME eighty five back then, mm-hmm. but then I feel like some of the uh, some of the distortions or overdrive it just wasn't exactly to my liking. I had the uh, the Line Six uh, FM Four. I shouldn't yeah. have sold that pedal. Like, I fucked that up. But. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember those. Those were yeah, yeah. Those. Mm-hmm. those. You know, but now my current setup uh, from from my guitar into you know you have my tuner and then I have for overdrive. I really like the Black Star LT Drive. Okay. It's like a. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, smooth, 
yeah, it's a smooth mid forward drive. Yep. It kind yep. kind of like a a Boss Super Overdrive, but to me it sounds cleaner, like creamier almost. Yeah, but it still has to direct, like you know, like really direct in your face. But it's not too it's not too bright. It has a warm warm sound too as well. Yeah, I exactly. forgot about the LTDs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been a really big fan of Black Star. I like their amps too, but but that mm-hmm. that that Overdrive pedal. I like, and then I recently got the Wampler uh, Triumph uh, okay. Overdrive, yeah. mm-hmm. um, just to give the <clears throat> my amp a little more hair as far as gain. But then I like the three band EQ, okay. uh, and it combines pretty well with uh, with the Overdrive. Um, I have MXR uh, Phase ninety five, which, okay. mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. really like. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, I go into the. Um, what else I go into? Oh, and then I have a new X analog delay, uh, mm. which yeah, is... you got a whole setup, man. Pretty decent. Yeah, that yeah. It's just like it's just a really small pedal because I used to yeah, have like yeah. crazy like like you know yeah. twenty pedals, but it's just yeah, r- really yeah. slim. Just everything that I need for a gig. So very similar to as far as like probably your thought process on like like everything that I need. And yeah, not a that's crazy the thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And it took me a while too. Like I learned, like I just like have a whole bunch of different boards. You know what I mean? Just depending on what gig it is. You know what I mean? Like when when there's like a big gig and you want to pull out like all the pedals, and I have a whole like so much different pedals on one board. But then I have the smaller setup that's pretty cool. And then yeah, it just really depends because like with all the cables and shit, like I I remember that it used to be bad, man. I used to have cables all over, and, <laughs> you know. And then like you would go to Europe, and that was another reason why too that I start using the Boss ME80 for touring because you would go to Europe and you know your uh, your your uh, actual pedal they would plug it in the wrong voltage and it would oh. blow out my whole shit. So it was just like. Then Damn. it would have to rush, and that was one of the reasons why I was just like, you know what, let me get something that I control, and you know what I mean. So that was another reason why that I got that because that it happened, and then also too, like I remember I was doing a gig in Italy, and I just got this um, some custom pedals. There was a guy out of um, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. He made these custom pedals, and I think I spent about maybe. It was like maybe like a G fifteen hundred with the flight cases and everything. Did one show, man. Went from uh, Holland to uh, Italy. Mm. Did the gig. It was cool. Came back, and I'm waiting in baggage claim, and I'm like, why am I waiting like an hour (laughs) for it to come? You know, I don't see it, and you know, it's a flight case, man. That thing came back up on the baggage claim. Everything was open. Cables were busted. Oh my god! Destroyed. My whole entire thing was destroyed. And then I was arguing with the people, and they was like, "Well, there's nothing we we can do." I'm like, "What are you talking about? There's nothing we can do." I just spent, <laughs> you know, no insurance, nothing on it. I'm like, and I mean, from like um, Holland to Italy is like what an hour, like two hours. It's not that far. But yeah, man. And that then and there, like from those experiences, I was just like, you know what? I have like my, you know my main pedal board that I use, but then like for travel, I need to have something that's like, I keep on me, you know, I take right. on, you know, so. Mm. Well, that's, Hey, that's, that's a good learning lesson for anyone. <laughs> and unless you're like, damn, I need to buy some. <laughs> yeah. Keep it like, especially, you know, I would recommend like, unless you got like, you know, roadies and cats like that, you know, for like traveling, always have it on you. You know what I mean? Just have it, bring it on the plane and like, do not check. I don't care if it's a flight case. Like, do not check in your your stuff because you just you never know. You never yeah. know. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the 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 amp that I I use right now, um, which I really like, is the Roland um, JC40. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like it's one of the better clean solid state amps that really does that really takes pedals. Really well mm-hmm. without changing my sound, without coloring coloring it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so and then obviously the reverb and chorus were like amazing on there. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Because so like for me, it's like I don't know. It's weird. It's like maybe it's just it depends on what genre of music. But then at times it's like, of course, I love Fender Twins. But then sometimes it just becomes too bright and too troubling. Mm. 
And then it's just like, man, I need something warmer. And so it's like, for me, it's been a toss-up, like, especially, like, with guitars. Like, mm. um, currently, you know, I've been using the Befford um, from D'Angelico, the Befford SH, which is, like, super dope. It's like, um, those are probably one of the only guitars that I've been able to get, like, when you want the Gibson to really come out, you get a Gibson sound, you can get When you want a Strat sound, you can get it. Mm. And it's just, like, it's a very... Um, very unique. Like you can get many different tones out of uh, the D'Angelico uh, Bedford SH, and it was funny. It was like by default. This was like a couple of years ago. I was in a in the session, and the engineer he was like, "Man, he was like, you need to check out these new D'Angelico guitars." He's like, "I know you're a Strat guy, but I was he was like, man, you need to check them out." And I was like, D'Angelico. I was like, D'Angelico is morally known for like jazz, like you know the big body, you know, guitars and stuff. And he was like, nah, man, he's like, these are some new stuff that's coming out and picked it up in the studio and been playing ever since. I was like, man, I was like, this is really dope because, you know, of course, always a strap guy forever. And, you know, I love Gibson too as well. But then sometimes I was just like, I want something different. You know what I mean? Looking for a different sound. And sometimes I would experiment with like, you know, of course you have a rosewood neck that's more of a darker tone. Yeah. You have maple neck is bright, but then I was just like, man, I need something else. You know what I mean? In my arsenal. And then um also to playing the left handed, a lot of those guitars that I have was uh, you know, straps too as well. And then um yeah, I came across the D'Angelico Buffer Dust Age and it's it's weird because usually like now I feel like they're they're becoming even more known because you know, when you say D'Angelico, you're like, Oh, jazz, you're playing right. Playing it's bebop, nice. <laughs> like, you're not gonna be playing. You're not gonna be playing no like rock out, you know stuff. But no, they're really, really cool. Shout out to D'Angelico and um, yeah, that setup, like especially for the 13 setup, I've been using that along with the uh, Super Black mm-hmm. Magic. You know, check them out if if you haven't checked out the the Black Magic amps. They're super, super dope. They're super nice. dope. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have to do that. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of those guitars too. Um, I remember when I came across it, and I was like, "This feels really nice." Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, man. Just the feel of it, the tone, just everything about it, and also too, they're one of the, they're one of the few guitars that you know. Of course, it takes a while for you to break in the guitar if you get it, but I mean, when I had when I had like the first couple ones, it didn't take me like two or three years to like break it in. Like I. I say about a maybe good like year, mm. you know, to get it to how the way that you want it. So, you know, and they last. Like they I haven't had no issues with it. You know how sometimes, you know, over a course things starts to like <laughs> break down and you yeah, know, you're like, damn, so, that's what was in here. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, really? <laughs> I left my I left my guitar in there for two days and the gauges and on the strings is already <laughs> up. Like, what's going on? No, 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 no. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's on my list to get. There is a um there is one in kind of a uh like a orange orange reddish color that uh I, I picked up and I was like, God, this okay. is really nice. I'll have to I'll yeah. have to get that eventually. My friend yeah, got one and I was like I thought it was I thought it was his, his other friend's guitar and it was like, Oh no, it's mine. I'd sold my grips yeah. and I got that. I was like, Oh damn, well cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. Like it's funny too because when I was in um, you know, Amsterdam, you know, there was Actually, where I was staying at, there was like a mom and pop uh, music store and got real cool with the owner and it was an older cat. And he used to make these uh, guitars like they're kind of like prototypes, but they look like strats. But then we picked them up and I play. It was just like the feel was crazy. And the mm. guitar was like three hundred dollars. Like I went, you know what I mean? And it wow. wasn't no like, uh, you know, Squire guitar, you know. And I was just like, man, I was like, it's something about this guitar is killing. So then I told him, I was like, you know, this is before endorsements and all that stuff. And, you know, I've always been trying to reach out to Fender. Fender was like, man, unless you're John Mayer, nothing we can do for you. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? So then I was just like, well, let me start making my own guitars. And I went to this guy and he really sat me down and, you know, I made, finally made like my prototype guitar. And it kind of looks like a strap, but it's um, the wood is ambrosia wood, mm. and it's from the Netherlands. And it's just something about the tone was like crazy, man. And I just started building my own guitars, and wow. they called it they called it MM guitars, and they look like strats, but they're not. Like you'll see tonight, I, I bought one uh, that I'm going to use. But um, yeah, I just started getting into that, just like the wood, and you know, of course, it's a process, and it's yeah. just like you know, that takes a long time, but you know. 
I really started learning like the wood and like all the stuff of in a guitar. That's why a lot of the older guitars sound so great versus these new guitars because it's the actual weight in the wood that they were using yeah. back in the day. You know what I mean? It's, and I feel like now, like a lot of these guitars are like, not all of them, but a lot of them are like manufactured. It's just yeah. like the same. It's like how many thousands of the same guitar that you're going to have. You know what I mean? So, right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I remember seeing a Macmillan guitar, and it's like, oh, this is wood from Israel. It's a hundred years old. I'm like, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> crazy man, crazy. I got a question for you too. I, yeah. I'll tell you my answer too. Has there been um, has there been any equipment or any guitar that you had that you lost that you wish that you had? Hmm. Or something that you came across, you was like, I wish I had that right now because it would be like worth a lot, a lot of money. Man, um, that's happened a few times. One, there's, and, and I don't necessarily if it would be worth a lot, but I just know as far as like the value around like just one, just like how great the guitar was. Um, mm-hmm. There's a Fender Music Master, I think I came okay. across at a GC. Uh, mm-hmm. 1978 music master and i always play the neck pickup like, like if mm-hmm. if i just designed if i designed a guitar i wouldn't have a yeah. bridge pickup i would just have the neck pickup yeah, I, the feel neck, like yeah. I can just i can i can do an overdrive and i can see my core stuff you get everything like, you need everything exactly you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly because yeah, yeah, yeah. i see all these guitars with just the bridge i'm like where's the one with just the neck that's all i need yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. and i love the tone out of that pickup uh right. you know when i did play and the neck was incredible it was insane mm-hmm. um so yeah there's a 78 fender music master that was like god damn it and then um uh the maiden there's a made in japan fender 57 reissue that came across one time it was it was was only like a thousand and that felt that guitar felt insane it was it was so light you like you say with the wood stuff yeah yeah. it was and and i'm arguably more keen to 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 japan made instruments than american which is interesting but it just right. the guitar felt so light and i think it was it was true rosewood um mm-hmm. you know before all like the crazy wood stuff happened as far as like rosewood being hard to to come yeah. by in the u.s but man that guitar felt great that guitar Dang. felt great i could only imagine man yeah yeah i played Dang. it in and i was like shit why i put this in i can't buy this shit <laughs> this is so nice uh i'm starting to veer away from single coil though just like this the, the yeah, the singles, cycle, yeah like it yeah. sounds great with the 60 cycle so on a rare occasion i have one guitar because i do part caster stuff like i'll kind of okay. put shit together okay. Frankenstein yeah, yeah, style. Yeah, 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 yeah. so i've done that um but uh for my gigs i tend to uh i tend to just stick with humbucker i think the last guitar that still sticks in my brain that i came in and i was like dang i should have got that was a uh it was a Schecter Keith Miro MK6. Mm. So mm. I know a lot of times there's like a seven string one, but this is a six string. It was a neck through. It yeah. was South Korean made uh, stainless steel frets. I'm not sure what the wood was, but mm. I held that guitar and I was like, whoa. Bro, you can tell, <laughs> you can tell some other year. Yeah, and, pl- uh, and, and and it was really versatile pickups. No idea what the pickups were, but when I played okay, the right. when I played it, I was like, you can really play anything on this. And yeah, I kind of I, I really have respect Schecter for that because I feel like originally Schecter was like, yeah, if you want to do the chug chug stuff, you know, or just yeah, like the yeah. crazy stuff. But now mm-hmm. they've really opened the door up to just a very a variety of sounds. Mm-hmm. No, so, no, yeah. for sure, man. No, man, no. That's a crazy. That's a crazy. You know, guitars are like cars, man. That's what I tell everybody. It's yeah. Like, yeah. What What do you prefer? You know what I mean? Everybody has their preference and stuff. I know for me, um, one guitar that I let get away with. I mean, this is a crazy story. Well, mm. I was sixteen. Um, at the time, we were in Florida doing the gig, and after the gig, it's crazy guy. Don't know who he is. He comes up on stage after the show. He goes, you sound great. You're amazing. And gives me a gig bag and walks off. Never seen him again. So I'm like, okay. And I kind of like open it up, take a little glance at it. And the neck is like busted. It's parts. It's just like guitar parts. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, why does this guy give me guitar parts? Whatever. So don't think nothing of it. Zip it back up. When I get home, I don't even check it. I'm just like, whatever so i had a friend of mine he built guitars and um 
you know, I called him up the next day and I was like, yo, I was like, this guy gave me like a whole bunch of guitar parts. <laughs> I don't know, like maybe you do something with it. And I was like, call me if you find anything. And um, he called me. He was like, okay, cool. Bring it down. Still didn't open up the bag. Just gave it to him, whatever. And like two or three weeks went by and he hit me out of the blue and he was just like, man, he was like, Marcus, he's like, listen, that guitar, get over here ASAP. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, that guitar you gave me, he's like, you're not going to believe, you're not going to believe what you have. I was like, what are you mm -hmm. talking about? And he's like, I was like, you put it together. He was like, just come over. So I get to the spot. It's laid out on the table, bro. It was a 1956 uh, gold top. Whoa. All original. <laughs> Everything All original. stock? <laughs> All original. And I was like, ain't no way, bro. I just like, it bugged me out. I was just like, ain't no way. I, that guy didn't know who knows where it came from. Wow. I played a guitar and he put it all together. And I was like, this shit is amazing. I was like, this is, I've never, I was like a gold top. I was like, I don't even have like Gibsons in my arsenal. And I yeah. was just like, and that guitar, you know, unfortunately I used to keep my stuff in storage. Mm. And um, I had like a bunch of the amps and guitars in there and somebody pickpocket. Oh the, no. so so that ended up getting stolen stolen from me. Damn. So, so but terrible. if that if I still had this was like ninety at that time that had to have been about like ninety six, ninety eight. So this mm. is twenty twenty three, that had probably be like close to a hundred thousand right now. Wow. Holy eighty cow. like between like eighty, yeah, around eighty, a hundred thousand. Jeez. because it was all original and he really like we sat down and we went through everything looked up everything the serial number i was like this is crazy i've never seen a guitar that was in parts that's <laughs> put crazy. back together and it was a go top wow and that's actually a testament to your friend for how talented of a, of a, a you know as far as like a luthier that he is because yeah, when yeah. it comes to Mm -hmm. S I'm sure you know this, but SGs and Les Pauls putting together the neck. I mean, mo oh, most yeah. of the time they don't sound the same once you you crack a headstock. Absolutely, absolutely, right? absolutely. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was just like, man, I was blown away, and I had it. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to play. I maybe had it for maybe like what? That was like a month, two months after that. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah, wow. that's that's probably like. The guitar that I would be like, if I was able to get that back, that would be cool. But, you know, I think from that experience, I think now, you know, I remember when I only had like one one guitar. But, you know, now it's like I'm kind of like in the uh, the stage of like collecting guitars and like mm -hmm. kind of like getting them more into the vintage, you know, type of stuff. Like me and um, Vernon Reed, which is like my uncle, uh, he knows me since I was like 13. And we always go back and forth and he's like, you know, when I see him, I'll be like, uh, I said, I got a guitar for you. He's like, okay, I'll wait till you give me a guitar and we trade. But then I'm like, he's like, I'm not giving you my guitar first. He's like, you got to give it to me first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're doing one of those trade-ins. Like, I have one of his, he have one of mine, and mm. kind of like start a, a whole collection. I don't know if you know the story of um, Metallica. You probably do, where they, they put all their money together as a group and then every city they would go to uh they would have the roadies go and find like vintage quit vintage equipment and guitars and then they have a whole storage unit of like all these vintage guitars that they collect mm -hmm. on the road and this is a whole different yeah wow. it's a landscape yeah it's a it's a landscape because yeah that, I mean, that's really smart too because that's almost like equity you know what i mean like once you're you know once absolutely. you guys are donezo or whatever it's like that's like money for y'all yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just you're chilling and then the thing is that then you can start getting the trade-ins too because you'll trade you know you know the story with slash and uh, joe perry you know what i mean with he took i think he bought a guitar i think he bought a les paul from joe perry and then that was like one of joe perry's favorite guitars and then <laughs> joe perry tried to buy it back from slash slash was like nah <laughs> 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 but slash gave it back to him you know, for his birthday or something like that. Yeah, it was like oh, crazy funny. stuff wow. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. funny, man. Jeez, yeah. jeez, yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny, man, because my wife is like, "Why do you have so many guitars?" And I'm just like, "They're all different." I yeah, was all like, different. "The shoes yeah. you buy, they're all different." Like a lot of people don't understand that they just think that every guitar sounds the same, which I don't understand why. Because maybe they're not into 
they don't know the whole guitar stuff, but no. it's just like shoes and clothes. Like, do you exactly. wear clothes, the same shirt every day? No, right. you know what I mean? So right. how many guitars you got in your in your collection? Oh, man. I used to hate that question because it would be a lot. But right now, because I actually put some on the wall. So where you at? Were you in your twenties or are you in your thirties? Oh no, 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 no. I would be divorced. I would be divorced if it was in the twenties, man. Soldier house. Yeah, I'd be, I would be sleeping on my guitars because I'd be put on the street. No, um I think I'm uh I'll probably say seven, seven, okay. seven, eight, Killing. seven, Killing. eight. Yeah, 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 and then I would say, and then I always have like a, I always have like a list where I'm like, okay, what's gigable and what's what's bedroom, and then what's what I'm working yeah. on. I probably have yeah. three gigable guitars. So the gigable one I played, yeah, yeah, the one I played yesterday was a Mitchell that I upgraded and I put a Fender 57 Classic Plus mm. in the neck. Mm. But I, but um, yeah, so. And then I, but I get a really crazy, like almost a seventies type of sound just because of how the, yeah, how the magnet it's like near the middle, but it's at the, 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 the end at the same time. Yeah. 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 yeah, Cause my friend who's, he's a really good guitar player. He was like, dude, that guitar, I don't know. I don't like, you got lucky with the, the sound is nuts. The sound is crazy. So with my overdrives and everything, it's just like wow, like this is the this tone, is yeah, man. That's what. And like I said, I mean, it took like everybody else. Like it takes years before you know you get the tone that you want. You know what I mean? Because you know, usually everybody's like, "Well, I wanted to sound like this person, to sound like that person." But you know, over you know, experimenting with different equipment and different guitars and finding the right tone you want. You know, then you know, it's like it's like a kid in a candy store. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was gonna ask you for your guitars. What mm-hmm. um, what pickups do you have in there? Um, the pickups I have two single coils, and uh, in the D'Angelico and then a humbucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, they're all yeah, they're all Rogers. You know, oh, Rogers okay. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then um, the other ones that I have, the uh, they're like stock. You know, custom stock joints that uh, yeah. a friend of mine's in the netherlands made but yeah it's pretty pretty simple man pretty simple straightforward yeah yeah man. Nice. yeah that's the one thing i haven't dove into yet as far as like uh making my own pickups but that's just uh... <laughs> that's something yeah that's something else yeah that's something yeah. that you know when i was making a guitar like he he we just got some different stock pickups just to start off but that's something probably somewhere down the line to get to yeah. you know what i mean there's a guy in um there's a guy in Florida, in Orlando. I forget his name, but he's the cat. Like, if you ever want pick, I gotta find his his number. But this guy pickups. He makes custom pickups. Like any, like you tell him like what year of pickups you want, and he'll make it for you. Be oh, like, wow. yeah, I want a '68. I want a '68 a jazz jazz master, or I want a Telly, and he'll make it exactly pickups how the way that they work just oh, for wow. you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then my other friend of mine, he was, uh, I seen him play the other day and he had like a jazz master, but then he had a single coil and a humbucker on that. It was just Whoa. experiment. Like, but the tone was like crazy, man. Wow. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, you know, just, just experimenting, man. That's, you know, taking it apart to mess it up again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, God damn it. Got unwind the strings. <laughs> damn, you know? <laughs> oh man. Well, before we end here today, was there any, um, anything that we can look forward to as far as just people that are fans of yours? From yeah, all man, stuff you do? Um, yeah, man. Just be on the lookout. New album is on the way, you know, you getting the exclusive, you know, first, you know, new album is coming very soon and, um, you know, more new shows, um, I'm going to be out on the road this summer. A lot of be back out here a lot. Uh, tonight, I'm playing at the Mint and, you know, in L.A. So all my West Coast fans come out. And, um, yeah, just a lot of new music, a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming up. Yeah, man. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, hey, yeah. Marcus Machado, I really appreciate you being on the show today, man. It's oh, been a real you, pleasure talking to you. It's been yeah, a, almost a year in the making, but I'm glad. I know, man. <laughs> It was the gremlins. It was the gremlins. Yeah. The, the internet gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. No, all man, good. but no, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it, folks. This is uh, Jarrell Powell here on the 440 Guitar Podcast. We will jam again soon, and have a good day.